This is a National Arts Center podcast. Welcome to the We Love Canadian Music Podcast. I'm your host, NEC Presents Executive Producer, Heather Gibson. We Love Canadian Music brings you up-close and personal interviews with Canadian musicians on far-ranging topics from life on the road to the artists they find most inspiring. Join us every two weeks for a new interview. This afternoon, we're here talking to uh, three of the guys from Amos the Transparent. How are you guys doing? Good, and you? Great. Good. 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 We're almost through the winter. This is going to air at some point, but I'm calling this the 157th day of winter. It's about that, yeah. yeah. Every week, we're like, this is the last snowfall. Yeah. And I'm saying that because you guys are local Ottawa guys, right? Yeah. That's mm. right. Yeah. And so did you, you uh, met here in Ottawa? Yeah, we're, we're about as Ottawa as you can get. I think everybody's born and raised Ottawa. Yeah, we all we all grew up in the suburbs. We're all we're all Canada kids. Either went to school together or went to schools close by and played the local talent shows or coffee houses. And I think that's really how we all got to all played in different bands. But then eventually the time was right for us to uh, do something together. And that that time was around two thousand and eight. Is that right? Was it before yeah. that? Two thousand six. This 2006. whole this whole thing started. The drummer and I, uh, Chris. We just started recording songs, and that was that. And, <laughs> and then we finished a record, and we're like, we need to put a band together to play these songs. So I think James was the first one. Yeah, I came in, uh, my old band broke up 2007, and then three months later, I was in Amos, and then Dan followed Yeah, I, th- I think it was the year later, and my first show with Amos was the same show as as the, the, the final show of my other band, so it was a perfect little transition. We were playing a an award show in That's Toronto right. and That's yeah my right. old punk rock band played the show and so I was doing double duty that night so it was the perfect transition because I didn't have any bandless time in my life so <laughs> and you didn't have to move your gear at all that day yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> every time I'd run into John I, we, we, uh, I used to work at CD Warehouse and every time I'd see John he'd tap me on the shoulder and say one day you're going to be in my band too and so eventually I said okay I'll, I'll do that yeah. I got no band now I'm, yeah I'm in. <laughs> So was there a time though that that um, that you guys played in multiple bands at the same time? Is that is that an Ottawa thing? I mean, where I come from in Halifax, it seems like the players are in four or five or six in the early days, and they're kind of you know running through, and you're running all over the place. A couple of the guys I know they're in more than that. Glenn Milchum was sitting here from Blue Rodeo the other day, and he's still in nine bands. Right? Or are you guys kind of a one band guys? I think to say that that's an Ottawa thing is pretty accurate. Like I know a bunch of guys who play yeah with a bunch of people. We, I think, maybe all have one other side thing on the go, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think all of us, I think Amos is kind of like, you know, like the mothership. Right. And we all, you know, like we all do, like, uh, you know, I'll play little solo shows here and there. And John has Silent Winners with uh, with Alenka as well. And Dan's done other stuff. With, he's had he's had his own solo, solo project as well for a bit and just kind of go out and do their thing. And, you know, it's just kind of, you know, when Amos isn't busy, you know, go out and do some other stuff. And then we all kind of reemerge again and come back. And, it's, you know, yeah. that's it. It's nice to have the different side projects because there's... Uh 
you know, you really want Amos Transparent to be a certain thing, but if, you know, I still really like playing punk rock, so it's not really right to bring that, uh, to bring too much of that into Amos to, to keep it what it is. Uh, and John will play more folk-oriented stuff. So for us to have side projects where we can bring songs forward to that uh, and sort of still have that outlet, I think is is good for all of us uh, musically and for, for Amos to still prosper without us feeling like we need to quit and go do something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it would have been different too if we all started side projects in like 2010 when Amos was still kind of <laughs> like three years in, but in its infancy, right, right to what we know now. Because then attention would be going everywhere. But I think at this point, everybody knows, you know, we can go do something else, but we know where the where the family is, where, yeah. you know, where home base is. Like yeah. So did you guys, am I right, do you have a lot of people that kind of come in and out, or is that more in a guest vocaling way? Like it's someone like an Anna Mura or some people who were along in the earlier days. And I know that uh, Amy has has done some work with Amy from Stars. Those uh, Is that like an in and out weaving thing, like special guesting, or is it that the band has changed a bit over the last decade? It was at the beginning kind of in and out, um, but... And then the key, the key players kind of sit, right. right? Once somebody learns all the guitar parts and starts writing guitar parts, like he's not allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last five and a half years, is that, is that yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the lineup's been consistent. Right. Yeah. And so when you talk about writing, that's one of the things I like to talk to, pe- to people in, about in this, is that do you guys write fully together or do you come with your own part to the how, how does that process work for you? I think a lot of it starts with John having the skeleton of the song and being sort of the primary songwriter, and he'll come in with lyrics and chord progressions and a lot of ideas, and then we get together in whatever space we're in, and then we try to make them, because we're, we're a six-piece band with six influences you know, from all mm-hmm. different genres of music, so I think that's one of the things that, that makes them sound like us in the end, is they do start with, uh, with sort of the skeleton of John's writing, and then they you know, take a little bit of influence. And sometimes they're they're perfect just the way he brings them and we keep them exactly as is. And other times they change. It's funny to go back and listen to all the different demo forms of this, you know, take a particular song and we try it. Here's a just stripped down mandolin version. Here's a full on rock and roll version. And here's John's original vision. So it's, uh, you do get a lot of different iterations of the songs, but mm. I think that's, it's what makes it interesting for us too, is to have that uh, everyone having a, a creative input on it and mm-hmm. seeing what it becomes. Yeah. And has that become easier over the years or harder? I mean, is it, so as people have grown as their own artists, the six of you have grown, do you find that that, that conversation has become almost like a family would have the, the shorthand to it? Or has it become now people are so much more comfortable that it actually takes longer and you kind of... I think it's, I think it's pretty 50-50. Honestly, I think the hardest part is... Um, you know, sometimes it's it's just writing like, you know, we used to jam from like, you know, nine to midnight. So you'd work a full day or whatever like that, come in and have to be creative again. I think that was the hardest thing is just trying to find that creative energy at the end of the day. So you kind of just sort of write your part. But like realistically, I think, um, you know, we could all we all kind of came together and just it would just just kind of happen. It, it, you know, like we all knew what we liked and we all knew what we how we how we played. And, you know, so we could, you know, like, Dan, you should try this part or John, you know, try this melody over this kind of part. And it would be uh you know, and it would just kind of all all of a sudden come together mm. and kind of flow. I think the way, kind of the the way the whole band started, like I said, it was Chris and I just starting. I think in the back of my head, I always felt the pressure to have to write all the parts and come with complete ideas, right? right. Um, and then when we did this cold escape, that was the first time where I was like, you know what? I don't want to bring anything. I'm going to bring the skeleton of a song, and that's it. I was insistent 
that I was I didn't even want to play guitar on the record because mm. I'm like, well, these guys can play them all. They're fine. <laughs> They're fine. You know what I mean? You know what I mean by that? They'll do okay. Uh, they'll do fine. Um, and that's when I really kind of let go of that. And I truly do think that's when we became a better band. Um, we started listening to each other more, understanding how each other wrote, and then how to complement each other's writing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's kind of funny. We're, 12 years in but I think we're a better band now than we ever were yeah I think I think a huge part is just communication and and being together that long you learn how to communicate properly and that we're we're all still really passionate about the writing process and and creating the best product but knowing how to get there and how to deal with each personality uh, it took time to figure that out and we all would butt heads at certain points but there's a reason that we're still together after 12 years and you know, so many of our other bands ended after a year or two years or three years. It's because, you know, so much of it is personalities and relationships and learning how to, um, you know, speak to each other and respect ideas and try certain things without just shooting them down. Even if you do have a certain vision, part of it is sort of letting go of that and saying, let's try your idea and see mm-hmm. where it goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the end, it might be better or we just go back to the old one. But it took us a while to get to that point. But I, I do think it's one of the main reasons we're still together after 12 years. And were you guys that, that get in the the white van and drive across the country? Is that part of the... We've done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you still yeah. like each other? We are, well, we, <laughs> we take like some time off. After <laughs> we take some time off when we get back. Yeah. No, we never did like the super, super lengthy, you know, want to kill each other tours. And right. that could also be why we're still playing. And yeah. <laughs> can sit in the same room. But yeah. No. I think people think there's a bit of glamour to the rock and roll business. And there's really not. No. You know? I think there... It's funny. I was chatting with, about this with Alenka. It's like there's got to be some threshold, and it's always you know, once you achieve something, all you, your mind naturally says, "Well, I haven't achieved this yet, and I haven't achieved this." So I wonder at what threshold you actually enjoy a glamorous lifestyle, you know, in touring. Because <laughs> we'll go somewhere, and you know, there's a free parking spot for us. Bonus, because right. years, you know, yeah, they, we used to have to spend thirty bucks in parking. That's all we'd get. And then, you know, you get a meal. It's like, oh, but, you know, do I get a drink? (laughs) (laughs) So, like, at what point are you completely satisfied? I think it's inevitable that you kind of always feel like a a little fish in a big pond. As soon as you get to that next level, then you're still surrounded by bigger bands or musicians that are selling more records or whatever it happens to be. So even when you feel like you take that next step, you're still, then you're just entering another pond and you're like on the little fish again. So I I feel like that's inevitable. And, And I wonder at what level does Coldplay feel like that? Because they're like, well, we're not as big as you too. Or is there a certain point where they go, all right, no, no, this is good. <laughs> this is I, I, feel okay, like, yeah. I feel like, I feel like that's the, the ideal thing as an artist is, is to try to be happy with what, where you're at and where you're achieved, still pushing, but try to find that, that level of happiness with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Lindsay, then even at that point, let's say you're playing 250, 300 dates a year. I mean, don't you just want to be at home? <laughs> I know. Right. I do. So, like, where, where's the give and, give and take? And really, yeah. A really funny thing about this, this conversation is, I've, I actually had this conversation with a, with a friend of mine. He's a, you know, he's a he's a pretty big touring musician, and uh, we were talking about how like life on the road is when you go, you know, you're stuck in a van for, you know, so if we go for a couple of weeks and we'll, you know, we'll hang out, and you kind of get to the point where it's like, all right, I'm ready to go home. Like I'm ready. Like it's, you know, we've done this. I, you know, can't wait to get back. But as soon as you get back, and it's like the Sunday night, you get home, and you just did the drive home, and you're like, you're lying there, and you're like. You know, I wonder what I wonder what Chris is doing right now. You know, like <laughs> I wonder what Dan's doing or John's doing. You know, like because it's you spend so much time close together. It's just you, all of a sudden you're just like you kind of start to miss it. You know what I mean? Like you're you're used to kind of looking over and seeing like you know your your brother right beside you, kind of like in the front seat, and like you could just joke around. But now you're at home. And you're like, all right. 
So when you say you miss it, what you know for people who don't really know what that whole life is, what is what's the it part? What what what's a, a regular day on the road look like? Uh, you know what? It, it's not as exciting as you think it is. It's probably a lot of driving, and it's a lot of goofing around the van. But it's just like it's just it's just it's just kind of fun, right? Like you know you 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 play road games or you just kind of have fun on the road and just kind of like you know you you find different ways to entertain yourself, right? Like you know imagine being you know, on a, on a drive to, to Halifax and you have 15 hours to kill and there's 60, like, what are you going to do? And that's the idea is you just kind of come up with something. Like, well, I remember one time it was, you know, we were we were driving to Toronto one time and John hurt his back and brought these, you know, Dr. Ho, you know, back palsy things. Yeah. So we hooked it up to our shoulders and see how, how high we could go. And it was the stupidest thing, but it was, you know, it was really funny at the time. And, and there's funny. videos of it and it's, you know, and that's it. And we see who could, who could, who could last the longest with it on 10. And no one made it that high. But you know, but that's, that's kind of the fun of it. Right. And that's, you know, anyone who's listening to this is probably like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But at the time, you know, for us, it, was, it, was really, it was really funny. Right. So, yeah. you know, that, that's the kind of thing and just the camaraderie between everyone in, in, in the, in the, in the band and how you have to, make it work with six people in a space that's, you know, pretty confined. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. so long as your schedule is there and you know you're going to be where you need to be on time, maybe that's a personal thing for me, but as long as you know you're going to make it, I mean, there's a certain sense of freedom too, right? Like the only thing I have to do for the next six hours is hang out with my friends in a van right. and make sure I get to that spot in time to play my guitar. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's not to it's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. it, it is like the ultimate hurry up and wait kind of, like today, getting here this time, we're not playing till late 30, but there's all those other things, you know, your sound check and, and interviews and all those types of things. So it, it is very rushed to get there, but then we do have all those times to, you know, play with Shock Dr. Each other. Shock <laughs> each other. <laughs> or go out for food or whatever we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See the cities. So tonight you're in the fourth stage? Yeah. And it sold out show? Yeah. And uh, uh, how often do you play Ottawa? You hear a lot you these know, days? We're only really playing here maybe once or twice a year now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think that was a conscious thing. Right? Yeah. You can play every month, but no one's going to come. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's right. nice to have a, a fan base when we get things like Blues Fest or, yeah. um, you know, opportunities like this and know that people are, are going to show up and the show's going to sell out and all those types of things. And yeah, if we were playing weekly, it wouldn't happen. But we've been very fortunate that yeah. we have a a loyal fan base that just keeps coming out to these shows. So it's nice, but we don't want to overdo it. So it is something we're conscious of. It's, yeah, it's a bit of a balance, eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what's next for you guys? Uh, there's a couple shows lined up for the summer, but we've been chatting about doing what we always do and making some more songs, I yeah. guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You still believe in the, the full-length album? Yes and no. Yes, yeah. because I think we all grew up with them. Yeah. But the reality is no. Right. Right. People aren't really listening to them. People are picking up songs. Mm -hmm. And that's it, yeah. right? The one that you've the one that you've put on YouTube is probably the one that's going to get streamed the most on Spotify, right? right? So Or in your case, wasn't it a, 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 a plenty of fish out or something? Gotta love those commercials. Yeah. <laughs> the commercials. They they make some money for you, yeah, right? It's, it's another stream. Yeah. Yeah. Pay the bills. Yeah, there's that one that we didn't even know about it. Well, we knew that it was gonna happen, but we didn't know the impact. There's a show in Australia called uh Castle or, or offspring. offspring, offspring. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, apparently, the way it was described to me is it's kind of like Australia's Grey's Anatomy. So, like right. everybody watches this show, and I guess some main character died, and they used our song. 
Right. And then that week we got a notification like, oh, you're charting iTunes in Australia. Like, yeah. you're, you're the 50, 50 number 52 song in yeah, Australia on like, iTunes next to Rihanna and someone else. Yeah, like, what? And you're like, well, that worked. Yeah. And, and, and a weird little snippet of a song. Too. Yeah. Like, the song's a minute long. Like, it's, it's more an intro to another song. So it's never a song that... Uh, we ever thought would do anything so it's interesting right. just to see I yeah. think that's that's the different world that we're living in is that you don't need to pick the single and say this is what everyone should be listening to it's really whatever the purpose is whoever finds your music mm. is yeah. going to say I don't care what you think is the single this is the one I want to play or yeah. or listen to or this is the one that's right for my show or mm. commercial or whatever it happens to be yeah, yeah. it is super interesting though if, even if you look at your Spotify list or whatever all the bands are releasing you know here's five singles and then when it's done, you can get them all on an EP. Right, like, right. What? Yeah, what it's changing, eh? It's changing. It's expensive mm -hmm. vinyl pressing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you have a great show tonight, and thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you tonight. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening to We Love Canadian Music. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast. We hope you'll give NAC Presents a like on Facebook and find us online by searching for NAC Presents. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at necpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.